coming up on the talk show, I recorded this episode in two parts. The first part was my instant reaction to the Yankees. Crazy roller coaster, disappointing season, finally, thankfully coming to an end. And I'm more relieved than anything else um, that it's finally over. So that's part one. Then a little bit of a later reaction from today. Um, it's Thursday already. And uh, football stuff. I, pre- I went through all the games, the entire slate. Great NFL slate this week. So I went through all that, starting with tonight's Thursday night football game, which should be awesome. All that and more coming up right after this. Stick around. Welcome back to the talk show, episode 49. And if you know who I am and you've been listening to this podcast at all, you know where this is going. It's going to be Yankee eulogy season over. Um, I always said I don't like to say I told you so. Let's start with that. This is going to be kind of like just a stream of thoughts. I don't even know where I'm going with this. But I said on my uh, rant earlier in the year, I don't like to be right. Um, but this is what I said about this team all along. Finally, it's over. The Yankees finally lost. They put us out of our, our misery. The My biggest feeling coming out of this game was just relief that I don't have to deal with this stupid team anymore. This year has been just just such a terrible disaster, you know, such a clown show from start to finish. So I'm kind of relieved that it's over, which is just so annoying because, you know, I love October baseball. There's nothing better than that. There's nothing than playoff baseball. And to not have to worry about the Yankees and how stupid they are throughout the postseason might make it easier, or I might not just not watch, which is frustrating. So I'm just going to go through like kind of my feelings coming out of this game and how I feel about this team. It's really an instant reaction. I, I didn't even want to talk about it last night. So now it's uh, it's Wednesday, the day after, um, kind of 24 hours later, kind of hear how we're feeling and what's going on. Um, and what's going on is I kind of predicted the way the game would go exactly the way it went. I, you know, I was wrong about one thing, <laughs> a big thing, but, um, and that I, that's because I expected too much out of Garrett Cole. But other than that, like I pretty much predicted what the Yankee offense would do and what it would mean for the game. And well, let's just listen to what I said on Monday before the game. Here's the way I see it going. If I'm just doing a preview of the game, and it's not asking a lot, like you should expect seven to eight innings of one run ball or less from the guy, the way you're paying him, by the way. But to get six innings and two runs, I take it. And then the Yankees can't score and they have opportunities. I see it going a lot like the 2015 game against the Astros that, you know, they, they cut it. Maybe they cut it to three, two or something. And then Boone makes a mistake and the bullpen gives up another run and then it's four, two. And then Chris Sale comes in and closes the door and the Red Sox win. That's my prediction for the game. That's the way I can see it going. I really need, and this is, I think the way the Yankees win, the recipe for them to win is to for Garrett Cole to show up and do what he did in Houston in that game. Really just shut the door down. <laughs> show up and show why he's, paid $324 million and show why he is one of the best pitchers in the league. And he has been one of the best pitchers in the league. Again, I don't like being right. I don't care that I predicted it. whoop de doo Now I got the Garrett Cole thing wrong. I expected six innings out of him and two runs. He didn't even get through. I mean, he pitched two innings. He got six outs, not six innings, which is pathetic. Um, it, again, I'm not happy. I'm not sitting here tuning my own horn like, hey, I predicted this. But really, the game turned right away after Giancarlo Stanton's ball died, like it hit a wall in left field and then it hit the green monster. 
after that, the, to- the the feeling of that game shifted. The Yankees go up one nothing there, and the, the dugout is fired up, and Stanton has done it again in Boston. Giancarlo Stanton should have had three home runs in that game, but that changed everything. And then the bottom of the inning, all Cole had to do was hold them, and A-Rod called it right away. A-Rod's like, hey, he's kind of dancing around things. Um, and it's just, it was ridiculous. The guy didn't have it, and he hasn't had it the entire second half. He hasn't had it since the sticky stuff situation. And he should have, if that was at Yankee Stadium, the fans should have booed him. The guy, he owes the Yankee fans money. Garrett Cole, and he better not win Cy Young, by the way. He's going to get some Cy Young votes, which is crazy. And there's, let's say there's a 25% chance that he wins it because it's him or Robbie Ray. I hope he doesn't win it because he was so bad in the second half and in the biggest games, particularly in Boston, last week in Toronto, and now tonight or last night in Boston, he was atrocious. He was terrible. And then he, he comes out of the game and he was pretty accountable about it. And he's, I'm sick to my stomach, all that. But he also says, you know, that was the right decision there because Clay Holmes is a better shot to get the double play. Like even that kind of bothered me. Just everything about him has bothered me. And I have every right to be annoyed with him. Yankee fans who defended him after he got booed off the mound Yankee stadium a few weeks ago, there were people who defended him. There's nothing to defend anymore. The guy he's being paid to be the best pitcher in baseball. He's paid more than anyone else in baseball. And he really was when he had the sticky stuff. But now, he's nothing. He's terrible. And in the biggest game, the game that we needed most, and in the arrogance and, and that he has to ask for his personal catcher, who's just a total dud, the guy can't frame pitches. There were so many times in that game that they mentioned this on the broadcast also. Buster only pointed it out. that, And we'll get to the broadcast later. that It, it, it takes Buster only to point that out. Um Who's the sideline reporter? Not the, you know, he's not the guy in the booth who's supposed to be pointing that out. That's A-Rod's job, but A-Rod, oh my God. Um, <laughs> the only thing worse, by the way, I, I I know it was terrible for Red Sox fans also, but the only thing worse than losing to the Red Sox, the way the Yankees lost to the Red Sox, was having to listen to A-Rod while they did it. Um, it's really a shame because Matt Vasgersian is awesome. I told you, this is just going to be rambling thoughts throughout the podcast. I, I'm just annoyed. I'm not happy. This is not fun. Um, but... It, you have your personal catcher who can't frame anything. There was He lost his pitcher strikes because he was reaching and not framing. Um, and I get it. Guys weren't hitting their spots. So it's also on the pitchers. But the guy is a strikeout every time he comes to the plate. But I need my personal catcher. You know who gets a personal catcher? Guys who show up and pitch eight innings and one run or less. That's who gets a personal catcher. Not the You, you know, um, there, Nathan Ivaldi also had a, perf- uh, a personal catcher. But he earned his personal catcher. I was relieved when they took Ivaldi out. I don't think Cora should have taken him out there. And the next pitch was rocketed off the wall to left field. Would have been a home run in 25 other ballparks. Um, that ball that Stanton hit, and we'll get to that in a second. But Garrett Cole, you don't have the right to say, oh, this is my personal catcher. Kyle Agashioka should not be on this team next year. He hit 180, and he plays so much. And I get it, Gary's bad, and Gary probably shouldn't be on this team either. But the fact that Garrett Cole has to figure out what's going on with him. He's got to reinvent himself. He's got to go back to the lab and say, okay, how can I be a good pitcher without this sticky stuff? Cause he doesn't have it. And we know that one game in Houston, that's what I wanted out of him. I said that in the clip, like, Hey, he's got to do what he did in Houston. He didn't do that. And we haven't seen anything like that. He needs to be that guy in every big game. Listen, I, I, that's how you're paying him fair or not fair. The guy can have a dud in middle of June. I don't care. You want to have a couple bad starts in June, August, although we'll get to that. And later also how the Yankees just punted away games the entire season. And that's why they were on the road in this one game wild card situation to start with. But this guy, he disappointed. The number one reason the Yankees lost the game last night, and I said this was going to be the reason. If the Yankees lose, I said it before the game, if they lose, the number one reason why they lose is going to be because of Garrett Cole. 
and he really he he only gave up three runs and Boone had a quick hook which was good and the bullpen kept him in the game but three runs in two innings he only got two innings eventually the bullpen was going to break that's what happened and this game is first and foremost on Garrett Cole before anyone else you set the tone as the starting pitcher and giving up three runs in the first three innings the two-run homer in the first that's how you set the tone after Stanton doesn't get the home run at the top of the first and that set the tone for the entire game and it was just downhill from there pathetic pathetic performance the Yankees Giancarlo Stanton was three for four last night and the rest of the team was three for 28 including two infield hits by Gio Urshela and Aaron Judge those were two of the three hits it's just pathetic and the other one was obviously the Anthony Rizzo home run which in Yankee Stadium that would have been a foul ball so I guess the the Fenway Park gave back a home run also, so I can't just complain about the Stanton home runs not going out, which I'm going to do. And then, obviously, I told you Boone was going to make a mistake late in the game that was going to give them the extra tack on runs. That did happen. Going to Chad Green instead of Wandy Peralta. We've seen Chad Green with runners on base not be able to get out of it all year long. Why did we need another? Why did we need to see that again? There were two lefties due up, a lefty, a righty, and then a lefty. And why not bring in Wandy Peralta, who's been great against lefties, and you just roll the dice with the righty. But instead, of course, no, we had to bring in Chad Green, and he blew it there. They get the two more runs. At that point, the game's over at 6-1. to one. Um, Before that, obviously, Phil Nevin decides to send uh, Aaron Judge home on what should have been the second Stanton homer of the game at that point. Would have given him three on the night. Stanton was insane. Um, but... He he hits the ball, it's off the wall, and he sends Judge. But you know what? You can't even blame Nevin that much, even though the Yankees led the league with 22 outs at the plate this year. Led the league. They were the worst team in the league in ru- at running the bases. A-, a basic thing, a simple thing. And they were the worst team in the league at it. Obviously, it took a perfect throw, and that was what Nevin was hoping. He's like, you know what? They have to make two perfect throws. And anyway, it doesn't matter because Joey Gallo will be up next, and he'll either hit into a double play or he'll get out, and then Glaber will get out. It doesn't matter. He got that pitcher off the ropes. All he had to do was get one more out, and it was against Gallo, who's just been total trash this year. So that's on Nevin. It's on Gallo. It's on everyone. And it just, this whole thing, the, the game was a microcosm of the, the way this team has gone since 2017. The, the, the direction of the organization since 2017, when they had these young kids and they were young and hungry. And you know what? The arrogance of the organization to fire Joe Girardi because he wasn't using the analytics the way they wanted him to. And then to bring in Aaron Boone. And they've been outmatched by the Red Sox ever since, specifically by Alex Cora. I saw it in 2018 in the playoffs in the division series. And again, it was against Kevin Cash against the Rays in 2020 and this year. And every year they've, you know, you could talk about, I see people talking about, well, you know, he has one of the best records as a Yankee manager. He's won 100 games every year other than this year and last year, which was a shortened season. It doesn't matter, though, because he's regressed. The team has regressed under Aaron Boone. And I'm not saying it's Aaron Boone's fault. I like Aaron Boone, although I don't think he's a great manager. I think you can win with him. I think you can win despite him. But they're not giving him the, the you know, he's not making any decisions there. It's the arrogance of the franchise overall and their reluctance to make any moves. How many times can you lose to the Orioles because you're just putting out just a, a, a useless lineup and a, a, a random starting pitcher? How many times do we see him wave the white flag when they were down a run or two and just bring in their worst relievers because, you know what, we'll get them tomorrow. We're saving things for tomorrow. They had zero value to the regular season. It was part of the arrogance because we'll be there in the end anyway. We'll be in the postseason. If it weren't for two stretches, there were two fun stretches to the Yankee season this year, the 13-game winning streak and when they won five of six, three obviously the three-game sweep in Boston and the th- two of three in, in uh, Toronto. Those were the two stretches that were fun during this Yankee season. 
And if it weren't for those stretches, they would have been buried. And I wish they did, because if they come back and rest on their laurels and say, well, you know what? We started off really bad. We played really bad. but We battled back and we made the wild card. We made the playoffs. That's, you know, that's what counts. If they do that, and I could see them doing that. And by the way, A-Rod at the end of the game, adding to saying, you know, it wasn't a failed season for the Yankees. We learned a lot. They got Anthony Rizzo, and hopefully they can re-sign him. They got Joey Gallo, and he'll be back next year. And they they learned that Glaber Torres can't be a shortstop. Everyone knew Glaber Torres can't be a shortstop and needs to be a second baseman. He should have been the second baseman all along. And you're just creating more problems, by the way, because you still have DJ LeMayo next year. What are you doing with him? Where are you putting him? You have him for another five years, not just next year. So I understand that it's one year that DJ LeMayo underperformed. And a year ago, I was yelling on this podcast that they need to sign, re- re-sign DJ LeMayo, and they did. And I'm really happy that they re-signed DJ LeMayo. That's great. And I think that, you know, it was one bad year, and hopefully he'll come back next year and he'll be better. He'll figure out what was wrong. Maybe he maybe he was hurt. Maybe something. It doesn't matter. He he's, has a proven track record. But where are you going to put him at first now? And Anthony Rizzo is no longer on the team. Like, what are we doing with this team? And Gio Urshela, maybe you're moving him off the third, and that's where DJ LeMayo goes. I don't know. That's not the point. You need a shortstop. And we knew that Yankee fans knew that way earlier in the year. You know, the LA Dodgers won the World Series every year before they won the World Series. They're like, you know what? We didn't win yet. We made it to the we made it to the ALCS or NLCS. We made it to the World Series, but we need to get better. We need to get they kept getting better. They resigned back and then they win the World Series. They resigned Bauer and then he turns out to be a total scumbag and they lose him because of whatever's going on off the field with him. They go out and get Max Scherzer and Trey Turner like the best pitcher available and the Yankees go out and get Andrew Heaney. It's just the arrogance of the organization that they think no matter who they put out there, that like, Oh, we're so much smarter than you. We're so much better than you. And it starts at the top. It starts with Hal Steinbrenner. It starts with Brian Cashman and it trickles down to everyone else in the organization with their lame excuses. Aaron Boone, it's mind boggling. What he said after the game, he goes, you know, that the league has closed the gap on us. There was no gap. They were a surprise, young, fun team in 2017. And since then, they've only regressed. They've gotten worse under Aaron Boone because of the arrogance, because they refuse to make the team better, because they run it back every year. That mentality that I talked about in the offseason and I'm talking about now, it's still on this team, and they need to change. It needs to change now. And if they rest on their laurels and say, hey, we made the playoffs, that, that's just terrible. Look at their number. The, their record in day games was ridiculous because, hey, we have to rest, guys. Like, you don't automatically get into the playoffs. You don't have an automatic win. You're not the big, bad Yankees. It's over. Like, that whole thing is over. Boone and his different th- the, the, the decisions that he made that were mind-boggling during the season. Brett Gardner shouldn't even be in this lineup. And again, they're going to do the same thing. He says he wants to come back next year. He does the same thing every year. He shows up in September and puts up halfway decent numbers. And everyone's like, oh, well, bring Brett Gardner back. Look, he looked, he looked better at the end of the year. You're going to do that again with Brett Gardner? They should have moved Labor Torres to second base in May. They shouldn't have even had him starting at second base to start the season. I still think he's the second baseman going forward. I, th- I think he's excellent. I, d- I wouldn't want to see them trade him now. If they trade him now because they're stuck with LeMahieu, that would be the biggest mistake because he actually looked good as a second baseman. And they could get really low value from him because he was, you know, he only started hitting better once he moved to second base. And he actually hit the ball hard a bunch of times last night and didn't have anything to show for it. Giancarlo Stanton should have, is he's the only guy who's excuse. Crazy. We, we've come a full 180 on Giancarlo Stanton and the rest of the, you know, he was the uh, poster boy for everything that was wrong with the Yankees earlier this year. Now he's the guy who's excused. He's the guy who, hey, he should have had three home runs last night. I don't understand how that first ball dies. And obviously John Sterling and Matt Veskers and every single person got that call wrong. That ball looked like it hit a wall in the sky and dropped. I don't understand. I still don't understand. Every time I every time I watch that replay, I'm like, oh, it's going out. No. And then the second ball hits the, you know, if it's two feet to the right or two feet higher, 
it's a home run. It's a home run in every other ballpark. Also, just the moonshot. And it ends up being a single. So those two hits are basically singles. It ends up being a double because of the throw home. That's the only reason why it was a double. And Judge wasn't great, by the way. Judge brings the boom box, and he's like, he's the captain. He carried this team all year. He was great all year. He gets the walk-off hit. His only hit tonight was a number, a, a, an infield single. So was he that great? No. And A-Rod. A-Rod just with the calls. I, I said it already. It's ridiculous. Here's what the... The Yankees need going into the offseason. They need more pitchers behind Garrett Cole, and they need to figure out what's wrong with Garrett Cole and how they can get him better. Matt Blake has proven that he can work with these pitchers and get them better, but they need a They're going to come back and say, no, well, Severino's going to be coming back. He's going to have, he's going to be a starter next year. No, you need to go get a, a reliable. I said this last year. You need a reliable starting pitcher. We saw what happened with Tyone. We get it. He, he, he performed nicely. We get it. Kluber had a no-hitter, but they're not reliable. That was the problem. You need a reliable starting pitcher behind Cole. Cole needs to figure it out. You need to have the mentality that the San Diego Padres, and I know you can't buy championships, and the San Diego Padres are a perfect example because, look, they went out and bought everyone, and they still failed. They didn't even make it to the playoffs. But you still need to try. You still need to do what the Dodgers are doing, and the Dodgers might be out after tonight also. Who knows? They have a one-game playoff also. But you need a starting pitcher. You need a real catcher. And listen, when Gary's good, he's great, but you just... I, I it, it looms over the team that the full season of Gary this, Gary that. Oh, this is the storylines. It's it's just enough is enough. They needed a shortstop and they need a new philosophy. And they need to stop it with the arrogance and thinking, oh, we're the big bad Yankees. And the, they, they think that still. And you know they think that because of Aaron Boone's comment after the game. And you know they think that because they traded for a guy like Andrew Haney. And you know you think they think that because they didn't feel the need to spend money in the offseason. And they just think everything is just a given. But the way they rest guys, the way they rest on their laurels, I've had enough of it. I've had enough of this team. I'm so happy the season's over. But if they don't make major changes, I'm not going to be excited going into next season. The changes need to start now, and I don't even know where they start. But that's just instant reaction to last night. Um, just pathetic, pathetic performance. They get no walks, not a single walk. Nobody walked in the entire game. Um, their approach was bad. Everything was bad. Everything they did was just... the it just literally epitomize everything they did all season long and i've had enough um that's my yankee point that that's it so i've had another day to sit and think about what the yankees have done like a little kid getting punished think about what you've done um it's now thursday and you know the yankees were a couple days removed and this team was never going anywhere i understand that uh, but I had a couple other thoughts, and I might repeat some of the stuff. I talked a lot about the stubbornness of the franchise, and I actually went on with my guy CeeLo. He hosted a show on WFAN last night, which was awesome. If you listen to the Odyssey app, catch it before 9.30 to, or 7.30 tonight. From 7.30 to 11, he was on, so maybe you could still catch some of that. Um, he did an excellent job, and I got to call him, and we talked for a while, actually. And one of the things we talked about was you know, the direction of the franchise and the stubbornness to change and do you really trust who's going to be making the decisions because at the end of the day this all comes down from hal steinbrenner and if hal is best friends with uh brian cashman and their buddy buddy together and he doesn't want to fire him then who's gonna you know at some point someone you know has to be able to step up and make a change and what cc sabathia said on his podcast r2c2 is a great point the yankees core that lost to boston in 2018 is the same core that lost to boston in 2021 meanwhile the red sox core was a totally different core with ben and tendy and uh bats in 2018 and they end up winning the world series and now they just beat the yankees with a whole new core so 
they managed to rebuild their franchise twice and beat the crap out of the Yankees both time, kick their ass. So, I mean, it's a pretty incredible feat that they've done. And they've done that because they had a guy who came in and had a vision and had a philosophy and was able to say, hey, let's do this and that. And I still don't agree with trading Mookie Betts. You shouldn't trade that guy. I wouldn't say it worked out for them, obviously. Um, Mookie Betts won the World Series with the Dodgers and was, was, was integral in doing that. And he'll be with the Dodgers for years to come. And I think, you know, a lot of people think they're the team to beat. Um, and now that they're going to be facing the San Francisco Giants, which, by the way, is just stupid. Like the Giants finally got rid of the Dodgers. They they, they beat them out all year. They they finally beat them out by one game to win the division. And now your reward, you get to play the Dodgers in a five game series. So that's kind of pathetic. Um, I guess they don't get Scherzer in game one and game five, potentially. So uh, that's not bad, I guess. I don't know. But I, the system's obviously a little bit broken in baseball. And I've talked about that earlier in the year. Um, but as far as the Yankees, they, we even saw it in the middle of the season, how they started stealing bases more. They started uh, hitting and running and doing all the little things that, you know, everyone complained that they don't do all year. Um, and then what happened was they went back. Once they reached the place that they needed to be, they had won their 13 games in a row. It was almost like, all right, we won our 13 games in a row. We're in a playoff position now. Now we could sit back and, you know, mess around a little bit and go back to the way we were not winning games earlier in the year. I mean, it's such a weird thing to think about, but that's really what it is. And it's, it's a stubbornness and it's a mindset. And how I asked this question, um, how do you change a philosophy of a franchise? Like how, you know, there's a lot of talented players on this team because I think the Yankees, the biggest problem is they're going to come back with the same thing they said last year and say, well, you know what? We were right there. We have the talent. Everyone just underperformed. We've been right there the last couple of years. We're going to run it back. That's what they've done the last bunch of years. And maybe this is finally this year was the year that the, the straw that broke the camel's back. But what my problem is if they come back and say, hey, a lot of these guys underperformed. We, we really just need to keep this team together. Maybe we'll move DJ to first base. We'll pick up a shortstop. Um, but Aaron Hicks is coming back. That's going to be a huge switch hitter in our lineup. We have Joey Gallo for another year. He'll correct himself. Don't worry. And we'll pick up like a catcher or maybe even make Kyle Higashioka the catcher. And Luis Severino is going to be on behind Garrett Cole. I can really see them saying all these things and not making a splash and not trying to spend a ton of money and not making big decisions with uh, the coaching staff or the general manager or anyone. And at the end of the day, there needs to be a serious, serious psychological uh, philosoph philosophical switch in the franchise of how things need to be done because it's clearly not working outside of Judge and Stanton. Um, and obviously Cole, I mean, Judge Stanton, Cole, Loisaga, outside of that, Severino, I guess, who's like, who has a guaranteed spot on this team? No one should feel safe and secure. And there's a trickle down effect because if Hal Steinbrenner doesn't hold Brian Cashman accountable, he's not going to hold Aaron Boone accountable. Who's not going to hold the players accountable. And I think the overall lack of accountability and just that, that that's something that we saw the entire season out of this Yankee team. And I really think if they go into that se next season with that same mindset of, yeah, we're, you know, we don't really need to change it. This is kind of how it is. Uh, everyone just needs to do their job to do better. Then I think they're realistically the fourth best team in their own division going into next year, which is crazy. I think, but it, it, it's very realistic to say there are three teams that are better than them in their own division. That would be obviously Boston's proven they're better than them. The Rays have run laps around them the last few years. And I think Toronto's a better team than them. Toronto had a way better run differential. 
Toronto um, has a superpower offense, and their pitching was actually better than the Yankees. The only thing that kept the Yankees in it all year this year was their pitching, you could say. You know, they had great starting. They they had excellent bullpen, excellent relief work. Toronto let up less runs than the Yankees, so their pitching was even better. So I really think it's you can say that the Yankees are the fourth best team in the division today, and that needs to change. And I think the Yankees need to look themselves in the mirror and realize they're not the big bad Yankees. All right, I'm going to get into football, and I'm going to start right now. Let's start with um, my picks for this week. Uh, and that'll be the episode. Uh, it's Thursday already, so I don't want to drag it out too long. I want to get to Thursday night football, so I'll just do my picks. I'll talk a little bit about each team as I go through them. And let's start with tonight, LA against Seattle. Um, it's in Seattle. Russell Wilson always shows up for the big games. And by the way, speaking of big games, there's a really good slate this week, I think. I think there's a lot of fun, good games. So week five in the NFL is a fun, fun week. Um, and it starts with LA and Seattle. LA is favored by minus two and a half. I think LA will win. Russell Wilson tends to show up for these primetime games and I want to see him show out. So that's going to be fun, you know, for anyone watching this game. But I still think LA will win. I think LA is really good. I think it was a fluke last week. You have some of those games. It doesn't make sense that a team that just came together at the beginning of this year with a new quarterback and everything is going to look so perfect as they did so far this season. And so they had a tough week last week. That happens. It's bound to happen. I really think Stafford, and McVeigh and all those guys will bounce back and actually beat the Seahawks. And I think they'll win by a field goal, if not a little bit more to the line at two and a half. I will take the Rams. Um, like I said, I've been picking games straight up way better than against the spread, although I've over 500 against the spread also. But um, which is really all you need to do. You just need to be in the plus side to win money. If someone's taking my betting advice and going to their bookie with my bets, first of all, you shouldn't. Um, but second of all, if you are doing that, then I'm winning you money this year. That's the bottom line. <laughs> um, so I don't think Seattle's very good, though. That's the bottom line. At the end of this, at the end of the day, and I just said bottom line way too many times in one sentence. But at the end of the day, I really don't think Seattle's that good. I think Sean, uh, not Sean McVay, but Pete Carroll is not a great coach. I think this is the last year Russell Wilson will be there. I said that before we heard about the trade rumors last year, and. You know, now that we know about the trade rumors, I think he was trying to test the water, see what the reaction would be this offseason, this past offseason. And I think going into next offseason, he's going to ask out. And I think they will underperform in this division. It's a tough division. Um, there's three other really good teams in the division. I think Seattle might have a tough time winning nine to 10 games. And I think that'll be enough for Russell Wilson to say, hey, it's been nice. I'm out. So I think. We might see some magic tonight from Russ, but he's going to have to be magical to keep them in it because I don't think this team is very good at all. All right, Sunday, 9 a.m., the Jets are going to be in London. I think the Jets are eventually going to move to London and put me out of my misery. I think the uh, New York City will ban all Johnson & Johnson items and actually try and kill the Johnson brothers, but obviously Woody Johnson was the ambassador to London last year for President Trump, and uh, he obviously has a relationship there. There's like this Jets London Twitter account that I've been seeing all over the place, and I'm not okay with it. Um, I don't want to be the London team. We're not the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, and I actually saw a tweet this week like, hey, I can't imagine being the Jaguars. Can you imagine people thought Trevor Lawrence should stay in college for the Jets? Look at the Jaguars. Look at what a mess. That is such a mess. Um, so I'm happy I'm not the Jaguars. Meanwhile, Zach Wilson won the Rookie of the Week. NFL Pepsi Rookie of the Week. Uh, and obviously, if you make some throws like that, that's what it does. It's all about hype. It's all about getting uh, the popularity contest. I think all 
sports awards these days are like that. So good for you, Zach Wilson. You won the popularity count contest for week four in the NFL. Doesn't mean anything now, but hey, you won a game in overtime. It's not bad. Um, I don't think Atlanta's very good. I think they're actually a pretty bad defense. Their offense could put up a ton of points, but Ridley's not going to be playing in this game. I think this is a winnable game for the Jets. Atlanta's favored minus three. I'm going to take the Jets, and I, I think they're going to win this game. Um, I'm going to miss the game. I'm going to be playing flag football like I do on Sunday morning, so I'm really annoyed that it's at the crack of dawn for a Sunday. But um, I, I hope I'm right. I think we should see more of the same out of Zach Wilson. I think we should see further progression, and he should really be able to build on what he did last week. Now, the play he made to Corey Davis, which is an incredible play, and I can't hate on him for that play, but he should know that if you're trying to fit it between a corner and a safety like that, and he made the right move, seeing the cor- the safety come down, to, so he pointed, that's what he pointed at, he's pointed at Corey Davis, hey, run up the field, because you already beat the corner taking you, and now the safety came down, so he's not going to be up there. Listen, that was a perfect throw. That's a dangerous throw, though. I'm glad he can make it. I wouldn't get in the habit of trying to make it, though, because one of those two guys can very well, if you undercut it, then if you underthrow it, one of those guys can easily pick it off. And so if you're going to make that throw, I'd like to see it just a little bit deeper. But Corey Davis made a great play to go up and get that catch in between two defenders. And the throw could not have been more perfectly placed from his own 40-yard line, basically off one foot, just kind of like the way he flicks it. It makes it look so easy, and the ball sails over 60 yards in the air. Really, really impressive throw from Zalka Wilson, and he made some really impressive plays. The throw he made at the end of the game, um, I think it was to pick up a third down down the left sideline. Uh, I think it was to Keelan Cole, maybe. He's had some really good throws and made some really good plays. I'd like to see him build on the more traditional plays, like we saw with Mac Jones, the just, hey, first down, first down, you know, six-yard completion, seven-yard completion, putting together drives. Um, I'd like to see more of that in this game, but obviously the deep plays are the plays that you can't teach, the plays that you know, you just either have the talent for it or you don't. And most guys don't. And the fact that Russell Wilson, uh, that Zach Wilson has it is really impressive. So I'd like to see them build on that. And I'd like to see them win this game. And I'd like to see what else this defense can do. Another big time receiver is not going to be in the game. um, And they don't have Derrick Henry. So I'd like to see the defense put the clamps down on the Atlanta offense. Um, Next, we got Green Bay going to Cincinnati minus three Green Bay's minus three and I think that line's low I know Cincinnati has impressed so far this year um, and their offense could put up points but I think Green Bay is on a different level right now I think Green Bay after winning that game um, on that crazy drive by Aaron Rodgers I don't think I think they're in that mode they've already turned that switch that Aaron Rodgers turns at some point in the middle of the season and I think they're going to go into Cincinnati and win that game by at least a touchdown just my feeling so I'm going to take Green Bay um, Philly and Carolina. Carolina's favored by minus three and a half. And if you look at Jalen Hurts and Sam Darnold's numbers this year, I think they're pretty similar. I hope Carolina's been a little bit fake. They were a fake three and zero because they played, they played against bad teams. And I know Philly's not a great team, but we saw some flashes from Philly. And I hope, I hope that Philly can actually win this game or at least keep it close. So minus three and a half, I'm going to take Philly. But that's more of an emotional pick and less of a rational pick. Um, Denver is in Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh is actually, I saw a line they're favored by one and a half in this game. And that is weird to me. I know there's still so much talent on this Pittsburgh team, but Ben's cooked. Ben is done. They're talking about him. Maybe he's hurt. Maybe he's not. I don't know what's going on with Ben Roethlisberger, but I think he's done. And I I don't think that should be a shock to anyone. I don't think that should be that crazy. Um, 
So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they went into that game and they lost that game and Denver won it actually pretty easily. Um, all right. Detroit and Minnesota. Minnesota's favored by minus nine and a half. I don't think Minnesota's that good, although I know um, uh, Kirk Cousins has been putting up great numbers. Here's my thing. You'll never hear me. I wouldn't bet a game like this, honestly, but you'll never hear me um, bet a huge number, especially with two teams that I don't think are that good. I, I don't like taking big numbers in games. It's a minus nine and a half, and I rarely do this. I'm not going to take Minnesota. I'm going to take Detroit and just think that they're going to be able to keep it within a 10 points. That's all I think. Um, that doesn't mean that Minnesota is not going to blow them out. Like we've seen games this year that have been more than 10 points. We see it all the time, but nine and a half is a big number. I don't like taking big numbers. So uh, I don't love Minnesota. So that's why I'm going to take Detroit also. But I think Detroit can put up some points and keep it close like they did against the Packers um, a couple of weeks ago. Arizona and San Francisco. Arizona is minus five and a half. And I think Arizona has flaws. And listen, Arizona is the only undefeated team left in the league. They're 4-0. And I get people are like, oh, my God, this team's incredible. But let's not forget, a couple weeks ago, they almost lost to Minnesota. That game was crazy back and forth. They were down a ton. So I think there's a chance Arizona can lose to anyone at any point. And I think San Francisco is really good. And their defense is especially really good. And if Kyler Murray is trying to fly around the field making plays and taking big risks, like I said with Zach Wilson, sometimes there's big reward, and a lot of times there is big reward, especially when you have receivers like A.J. Green, DeAndre Hopkins, and all those guys. Um, they generally pull through for you if you're uh, Kyler Murray, but I think this defense will try and rush him, get him uncomfortable all day, get him out of the pocket, get him on, you know, running around. And when he does that, he's still incredible, but hopefully I think this defense can actually stop them. They can get pressure with four and not have to rush more guys and sit back in coverage, really, and wait for them to come to him. So the five-and-a-half number that Arizona has is big. I think Arizona will win this game maybe by a field goal. I think it'll be a close game. I think it'll be a really good game. Like I said, there are a lot of good games on the schedule. There's a lot of divisional games on the schedule, and the next one's a divisional game also. It's Dallas and the Giants. Those games are always close, especially when they're in Dallas. Dallas is favored by minus seven. I don't think the Giants are that good, although we saw Saquon Barkley. Maybe he's back. I do think Dallas is really good. Um, and there was obviously that weird situation with um, them and Smith going to the Packers. I'm not sure what happened there. Obviously, with Stefan Gilmore, also a weird situation where he gets traded for a sixth round pick. Just a classic Belichickian move. Um, Belichickian, Belichickian. I don't know what I said there, but um, classic Bill Belichick move. Just trading a guy who's a Pro Bowl corner for a sixth rounder. I don't know. But um, I think the Giants will cover the seven points. Um, it's one of those games that'll be close. It'll come down to the wire. They always seem to with these two teams. Daniel Jones did look good last week, um, and Saquon Barkley looked a little healthier. So maybe that'll carry over into this week. And I don't think New Orleans is that bad. I don't think they're that good, but I don't think they're that bad. And the fact that they were able to go in there and win that game says something to me. So while I think Dallas is a much better team, I think the Giants will find a way to keep it close um, and keep it under seven points. Now, I said before, I don't like to pick uh, big scores, like big uh, lines, but Tampa Bay is favored by minus 10. Miami, I think their offense is a mess, and I think Tampa Bay needs a statement game. They haven't really had one since the beginning of the year. And think about it, because that game seemed very close, right? If you, I mean, it was very close. 1917, they beat the Patriots, and, you know, the defense, oh, Bill Belichick's defense, what they did to Tom Brady, oh my God, they got him uncomfortable. There were a couple balls that either just missed or went off of guys' hands 
this game was actually closer to being a blowout than not. Like in the second half, Tom Brady really turned it on and he could have won this game easily by 10 points. Um, and I think it's kind of, you know, it was a little bit of luck, a little bit of poor playing that they had a couple of drops, a couple of bad decisions. Otherwise, they would have won by 10. And I think this week, even though the line's minus 10, I think they're going to have those that statement game where they just put up 50 points and totally crush Miami. They did that against Atlanta earlier in the year. So they did, I guess, have one statement game. The next game is Tennessee and Jacksonville, another divisional game. I'm just glad it's not on Thursday night football. They like to put that game on Thursday night football a lot, but it's not this week. Um, Tennessee is favored by minus four and a half in Jacksonville, even after what went down with both of these teams last week. Now, both teams are a mess. Obviously, if you don't know the Urban Meyer situation, he was, um, to quote Craig Carton, he kind of used a girl's butt as a bowling ball at a bar. And first they showed him just kind of like grinding on her from one angle. And then he apologized, said they were just trying to get me out to dance. It was actually his restaurant. Like, hey, they were just trying to get me to dance. And so, you know, I, I was like, whatever, giving in to them a little bit. Then they show the other angle. And obviously that wasn't true. That was uh, he was doing most of the work there. And um, listen, I, I think th both these teams, it's just so ugly. I think Tennessee is really bad, though. Uh, they couldn't beat the Jets last week. So I think Tennessee showed some real flaws. I think Jacksonville will keep it close. But that team's a real mess. Um, I I'm going to take Jacksonville in the game. But who do you take in a game where both teams are a mess? Um, and I think Tennessee will win it. But four and a half, I like it more like a field goal game. Um, I think a lot of games are going to come down to Randy Bullock and his foot for Tennessee. And I don't think that's a good thing for them. Um, and by the way, Urban Meyer, I think he's going to be out after Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is around the deadline when the first coaches start to get fired midseason. Um, maybe they'll let him go before Thanksgiving so he could spend more time with his grandchildren for the holidays. Wink, wink. Hope you get that joke. Um, I thought of that earlier today and I was like, oh, I'm going to say that on the podcast. It's kind of funny. I don't know. It's not, not funny. Um, if you don't get the joke, he said that he was staying back to spend time with his grandchildren. And then the video came out and then his wife posted a picture on Twitter of her and the grandchildren. She was babysitting while he was. Anyway, not funny still. All right. New Orleans and Washington. Um, it's actually funny because I picked these games on uh, ESPN and I do my pick them league and all that stuff. And I actually took. Washington and now I took New Orleans on my notes here New Orleans is minus two and a half that's a, you know to me this game is such a toss-up that's how I feel about that game um I don't I don't know which team uh is the better team I don't love either of these teams we've seen up and downs from both of them obviously uh Washington last week had a win probability at some point of 12 percent but then again it's against the uh the Falcons who love blowing games that they are projected to win in uh, so I don't know. I took New Orleans minus two and a half. Uh, famous Jameis? I don't know. I don't think Washington's defense is as good as everyone initially thought they would be. And I think that's become quite ev evident around the league. So that's fair to say. Uh, the LA Chargers are playing against the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland has an issue and it's an interesting problem. Baker Mayfield has not been good this year. Now they've been able to win games and he's been good enough for them to win games. But he's not been good this year, and they're kind of win winning despite him, not because of him. Um, and we've seen that a lot of times. There are a lot of guys who can be game managers with great teams. But the question becomes, are you going to give a guy like that a huge contract? And in the NFL, I talked about this a couple weeks ago, the NFL has an issue now with quarterbacks. You either get paid the $5 million rookie deal, or you're getting paid some obscene number. 
And I don't think Baker Mayfield is worth that crazy money. And I don't think he's a guy who goes out there and win games, wins games for you. Uh, we saw him do it a couple times in the playoffs last year, but I, he's not a great quarterback and you can't give him a deal that's under $25 million a year. So what are you going to do? You're going to give Baker Mayfield like five years and $30 million a year. I think that's crazy. Um, but that's kind of what the market's going to demand for him. And if you're Cleveland, I think you could get someone else for a cheaper price um, and still win with how good this roster is. This is one of the best rosters in the AFC. Um, I do think they'll lose to the Chargers, though. The Chargers are the real deal. I said before the year that Herbert is going to be one of the top three quarterbacks in the league. It really soon is what I said. It's soon. Everyone is starting to realize. We got Colin Cowherd talking about how he's better than Mahomes, which is totally crazy. But that's how good he's been. Herbert has taken everything that he's done last year, and they've actually converted it into winning and turned that into winning. So minus two and a half to me, that number's small, even with Cleveland's roster being what it is. Although maybe it's a letdown game coming off of the big Monday night victory where they looked so good. But at home, I really think the Chargers will have a big advantage in that game and be able to cover the two and a half spread and beat the Cleveland Browns. Um, Next, we got New England and Houston. I think New England will win. There is nothing that tells me that New England is that good on offense, though. I know everyone was waxing poetic. Really, Mac Jones had two and a half good drives. I mean, he had the, the, the two field goal drives, obviously the one that they missed at the end of the game. But other than that, the one field goal drive and two touchdown drives and the rest of the game didn't do anything and didn't even look that good. So I know Houston's a total mess and is not that and is terrible. And we know what uh, what Bill Belichick does to rookie quarterbacks. And obviously, if he was able to do it to Zach Wilson, who now looks like he's redeemed himself and come back to life a little bit, who knows what he's going to do to Davis Mills for Houston but again the line eight and a half I don't like taking huge numbers if I don't think that team's a great team so I wouldn't bet this game I think New England's gonna win but I'm gonna take Houston to cover the eight and a half another great game Buffalo and Kansas City Kansas City is favored by minus two and a half and this is as close to a must win that Kansas City has had in a while and it's a statement game like I said for Tampa Tampa needs it less though we haven't seen Kansas City fully turn it on obviously the loss to Baltimore Last year, I talked about this throughout the year, playoffs, regular season. There was never a game that it felt like they flipped that switch. And still, we haven't seen it from them since the Super Bowl a couple years ago at this point that they just flipped the switch and turn it on and really blow a team out. I really think they need to do that. And Buffalo is the perfect team to do it against because Buffalo is a really good team. Let's, don't get me wrong. Buffalo has won. They, they won a game 40 nothing and 35 nothing, and they've actually... You know, that's what good teams are supposed to do. They're absolutely supposed to blow the doors off of bad teams. And they played two really bad teams and they absolutely crushed them. But then again, those were two really bad teams. I still think Kansas City is better than Buffalo. And I think Kansas City should be able to beat them. Josh Allen's really good, but Patrick Mahomes is better. I think it's going to be a great game. The minus two and a half, I get it. I think Kansas City should should win by a touchdown, though. I really think they need to go out there and score on almost every possession. I mean, I, that sounds crazy, but they're capable of doing that. They're an offense that's really capable of doing that. And despite how good Buffalo's defense has looked, I think it's a statement to show, hey, no, we're still the kings of the AFC, and this is the week to do it. Chicago and Las Vegas. Las Vegas is minus five against Chicago. And I think you have to take Vegas here because of their big playability. Uh, we don't know what the deal is with Justin Fields. He's officially going to be starting now. He was named the starter. Um, so that's cool, I guess. Matt Nagy already has pissed off the entire city of Chicago, so it's about time. Um, but Vegas has the ability. We saw it even last week. There were a couple of, you know, 
they make huge plays. By the way, I don't understand when a team doesn't take the points because we saw them not kick a field goal and go for it on fourth down and then later in the game kick a field goal. So if you're willing to take the three points now when it's a two-score game, then you should have been able to take the three points when it was a three-score game to make it a two-score game. Anyway, that's just my rant about taking the points and how most of the times you should not go for it. But then again, I'm not the head coach, and we don't like uh, questioning head coaching decisions on this podcast unless it's not taking a knee to kick a field goal to win the game and instead trying to give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes because you got greedy and want to score a touchdown. Uh, That was what the Chargers did a couple weeks ago. Anyway, back to this game, Vegas minus five. I think the only thing is you have to take Vegas because I think they can put up so many points. So putting up a late touchdown or something, you have to account for that. And so I will take Vegas in this game. Monday night football, Indianapolis and Baltimore. And I think this line is tiny. I don't think Indianapolis is that good. I've seen Carson Wentz do things that are just mind boggling on a football field as far as giving the ball to the other team, just handing it to them. Um, So I'm going to take Baltimore. It's minus seven. And that's all I got for this week. Um, Like I said, those are the picks. I have LA minus two and a half, the Jets plus three, Packers minus three, Philly plus three and a half, Denver plus one, Detroit plus nine and a half, San Francisco plus five and a half, New York plus seven, the the Bucks minus 10, the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars plus four and a half, New Orleans minus two and a half. The Chargers minus two and a half. Houston plus eight and a half. Kansas City minus two and a half. Las Vegas minus five. And Baltimore minus seven. Those are my picks for the week. Wow. Reading them back. That was not great. Um, I will come back uh, after the week's games. I will talk about probably either Sunday or Monday. Maybe I'll talk about the baseball offseason. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about some storylines and who I think the best teams are through five weeks in the NFL after week five. So all that, stay tuned for that coming up next week. Until then, see ya.
is your king. 